Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, Another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. So glad you could join us. Whatever platform you're listening uh, on, please uh, think about giving us a review, a like, or a comment. Uh, love to hear from you. love to interact with you. Um, we've had some, uh, some fun the past few episodes. We've uh, kind of been looking at different parts of scripture in different translations and kind of looking at a popular paraphrase <laughs> called The Message. Um, so if you're picking up, uh, this episode for the first time, if this is your first part of the podcast, welcome. Um, but definitely go back and listen to some of our other, um, uh, episodes related to some of our, uh, diving into some, some verses and chapters and those translations, uh, versus, uh, interpretations. Um, we're going to continue that trend, uh, on this episode, Uh, We're going to start in Isaiah 9 and look at another prophecy that foretold uh, Christ. Um, And again, this was several hundred years before Christ was actually born. So keep that in mind as, as we're talking about this. Like it's been historically documented, proven that that these uh, scriptures were before Christ's time. So, um, you know, there's no clever manipulation of of dates or facts here. But um, as always, I'm joined by Zach and Robert. Uh, So welcome, guys. And uh, so, yeah, Isaiah 9, more prophecies. Uh, Take it away, guys. Okay, so uh, today we're going to be diving into... Um, a prophecy in Isaiah. Um, before I go any further, if you don't know much about the man, Isaiah, um, he was someone who was so blown away by God's presence that he literally found himself volunteering for the ministry in a way. Um, it says that in the year that one of the prominent kings of Israel died, he Isaiah, the man, was alone in the temple, and all of a sudden God's glory shone about him. And he was so overwhelmed, he was so overcome by this realization that God is so holy and he is so sinful, he felt as though he was completely undone. And uh, God, rhetorically, he basically was pretending to think out loud. He says, who are we going to send to preach to these people who are so far away from me? And Isaiah found himself saying, I'm right here, I'll go. And, of course, that would not have been an easy task. And Isaiah had no idea what was really in store for him, but he found himself saying so. And so God gave him this promise that your sins have been cleansed by your faith. And for us, we know that that faith was in the coming future Messiah. Go in my power as though you had never sinned. Be closer to me than you ever have been since your birth, since sin has separated you from me. But now you'll be my mouthpiece. And so from Isaiah, 
we get several prophecies of this coming Messiah. The one that cleansed Isaiah of his own sins was coming into the world 700 years farther down the road in order to cleanse the entire world in the same way by his death on a cross. And so we were actually debating for a while uh, what passage of Isaiah. I mean, there's a por- I mean, portions throughout the whole book that we could dedicate whole podcast episodes to if we want to talk about prophecies of the Messiah. And I'm talking prophecies of the first and second comings. We've got prophecies of when he came 2,000 years ago. And you can dig into prophecies of when he will come someday. We don't know when. But when he makes the entire world renewed by the coming of his might. Isaiah talks about them both. But today we're going to be talking about something pretty early in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, this may have been quite early in his ministry. Um, I know that his prophecies were kind of spread out throughout Isaiah's life and then they were gathered together. It's kind of like his greatest hits and all these prophecies are bunched together. You can read it in a couple of days and yet these prophecies came out years and years apart from each other. But um, what Isaiah saw, what Isaiah got word of in Isaiah 9, uh, this is something we usually save for Christmas Mm -hmm. and that's both a great thing and a terrible thing. It's great that churches preach this every Christmas. We need to remember the meaning for the season, uh, the coming of this baby that would cleanse the world by his death. But it's also a shame that we touch it, and then we it's like the Christmas tree. We just never touch it again. We think it would be um, not worth our time when we have the whole rest of the year to touch all the other parts of the Bible, so we never come to it until December again. But in Isaiah chapter 9, I'll specifically read verses 6 and 7. That's only two verses, but there's so much meaning packed into these verses all about Christ and his coming that we really could take this whole podcast and you know several other episodes depending on what angles we wanted to look at. But uh, I'm reading from the NIV. It's kind of right down the middle, and I'll have Zach kind of on my ideological right and uh, Brian on my left with the <laughs> message. <laughs> with the message. That was not a political jab. <laughs> it means he loves to take left turns on the highway. That's all it means. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, the, uh, I'm an ass car driver. <laughs> Constantly left turn. I can't go nowhere. I can't do nothing right, says an ass car driver. <laughs> You're fired. Get out. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, Derail the rails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Get out. <laughs> Ooh, okay, back to the scripture that I derailed myself from. <laughs> Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. So you can see immediately why this would be a Christmas prophecy. But God meant it for to give hope all year long. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and of peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Brian, can you feed that to us in the message? Oh boy, um, I will try. Does that mean prepare yourself? 
Well, I was just kind of following along, and this is while seems to be kind of different. Um, where did you stop? Uh, I just did six and seven; those verses. I stopped at I stopped at verse eight. Okay, gotcha. And yeah, again, there's so much packed into these two. It, it feels like I just two, read ten. Three, four, five. So, in this particular message, they've got two through seven kind of put together. Okay. And nice. it's not really labeled, so, and it's so wildly different. Um, you just go ahead and do what you got and then roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me just do two through seven because oh, that's I'm, fine. I'm trying to untangle this and, and I'm... I'm failing here mentally. So two through seven, uh, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light for those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light sunbursts of light. You repopulated the nation. You expanded its joy. Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy, the joy of a great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm (coughs) greetings. The abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and clubs and curses, is gone, done away with. A deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. The boots of all those invading troops, along with their shirts soaked with innocent blood, will be piled in a heap and burned, a fire that will burn for days. For a child has been born for us, a gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow. There'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over the promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always. The zeal of God of the angel armies will do all of this. Nice. Yeah. I'll actually say that this seems to be a little bit more. That's. I mean, it is different, but it is not as different. Yeah, it's not like horrible. Like, it's not very left field. Yeah. I don't. The, the numbering is a little bit odd and the way they kind of present the verses mm-hmm. um, and it not being numbered uh, intuitively, but no, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah I have that to say that, that that's, yeah. that's not a bad translation. I mean, you know, obviously it's a paraphrase, but I mean, it's not too far from a translation. Yeah. I think he, I mean, and it could even be that he just focused a lot more on this particular uh section to be more of a, a translation than it was actual paraphrase like he mm-hmm. like he's he captured a whole lot of the actual original um uh text actually and it's actually somewhat encouraging because it's like if you came to all of these and you saw so much of a distinct difference you'd just be like oh my goodness here's another divergent but this isn't actually i have to say it's a little bit closer yeah. to it um and i like that i appreciate that um i'm glad that it's not just all modern stuff i mean i think in some ways i think whenever he was reading whenever you were reading uh i think it was verses um 
three and four, maybe, maybe even a little bit of five. It seemed all, I like I could almost feel like maybe Christmas time. Like in my head, I kind of painted that picture. And I don't know if that was just yeah. me catching, knowing that it's this time of, you know, like that's usually what it is. But talking about gladness and festivals and this and that. And Glad in your presence, festival joy, the joy of a great celebration, yeah. sharing rich gifts, warm greetings. Yeah, yeah. warm warm greetings yeah. because yeah. it's cold outside. In my head, I kind of, I did oh, kind of yeah. get that Christmas kind of vibe to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, what were your thoughts, Robert? I agree with you guys. It was very, very straightforward this time. It didn't stray off too far. Um, one thing that I think is kind of interesting is, you know, we, we all mentioned, well, I'm doing it now, so we've all mentioned that uh, there's a little bit of Christmas in these verses according to the message. I wonder if Eugene Peterson did that on purpose. He's like, we'll read this at Christmas. Let's yeah. make it warm and cozy. And I don't mean that to make fun of it. I'm, I wonder if he just in genuinely wanted to. As a way to, to relate to people. Yeah, and, yeah let's read this. Together. Yeah, because yeah. honestly, I would be willing to read the that message passage just to, like, introduce a sermon series at Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, those intro videos where someone has, like, a roaring waterfall <laughs> and they have a, a voiceover. That would be a phenomenal way to pick that up. It, it's very, very direct. I mean, mm-hmm. one the, the benefit of that is it does – and again, it's never a substitute for scripture, but it does help you to get the gist of those verses leading up to verse six. Yeah, it's talking because I mean, in the passage is talking about you know warriors' boots and weapons or fuel for the fires. Like, what's this got to do with Christmas? With, mm-hmm. yeah. What's this got to do with baby Jesus? This is the promise that you know peace on earth is literally coming. It won't mm-hmm. just be a song right. forever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it was actually a, a good, you know, pretty good. Um, uh, rendering of it, um, I do like how it kind of, like if you looked at verse two there, because the, I'm going to read of the ESV here, it says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them the, the light has shone. That's almost almost because it says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who <laughs> lived in the land of deep shadow, light, yeah. sunburst of light. Yeah, so that's almost. I mean, yeah, uh, like you could almost, I mean, trade it out and get the same exact meaning. Mm-hmm. Like there's there, and again, this is just a, a good example of where they actually hit it pretty close to what it actually is in the translation, and it's somewhat encouraging, as I've already said. Um, I like the fact that that these are pretty close on. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, uh, it, it is um, it is a good because I mean that is essentially what Jesus came to do. He was we were all slaves in darkness, and Jesus came into our world. And without Jesus, we would have been left in that darkness. And that I think is clearly spoken in that uh, paraphrase as well as the translation. So oh, yeah. I have to say that's good for that. I and mean, I and I especially like. Uh, like I said, this isn't numbered, so I'm not sure what verse it is mm-hmm. in yours, but it says here, for a child has been born for us, the mm-hmm. gift of a son for us, he'll take over the running of the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very direct to the point, yeah. like he's coming. It was done for us, for our benefit. Mm-hmm. And he's going to run the world. He's mm-hmm. going to be king of, mm-hmm. of the world. Oh, yeah. And that's a very, I, I really like the way that it, it really succinctly calls that out. Yeah. 
And I and one thing that I like about it also is it clean it sort of delineates between the first coming and the second coming, mm-hmm. because the first coming is him coming into our world, you know, as you know, the, you know, a baby or whatever, as you know, the light in the in the darkness and all of that. So that's the first coming, even though obviously with prophecy it doesn't give every detail here, mm-hmm. but it does kind of delineate between the first coming. And a second coming where he actually will rule the world, which that is what a lot of conservative uh, Christians believe that Jesus, although did not um, rule the nation as uh, whenever he was on his earthly ministry the first time, but on his coming back, his return, he will take up that mantle of rule and he will do this other half of this prophecy. He will govern the nations. And I think that's actually one of the things that the Jewish people um, kind of elevate to the point where they actually, this is why they reject Jesus as the Messiah, because he didn't off throw off the Roman rulers and he didn't do all this um, stuff that they thought he was supposed to do on the first coming. Mm-hmm. Um but that goes back to prophecy. Prophecy doesn't always give you a, a, a yeah. full picture. It's meant to give you a glimpse of it. And then you look at the other prophecies as a whole and you kind of bring those together and and kind of let them sift together with the the, um, the gospel in mind. And that's how it gets clarity. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think they did a great job here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Go ahead, um, Thetis, uh, you can start at verse 2 or verse 6 like I did. Okay. Let's see the, the opposite side of the track. <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, so this is going back to verse 2, so I'll just go ahead and read it all, mm-hmm. um, kind of like how Brian did here, although it actually does delineate 6 and 7, uh, mm-hmm. unlike his. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shine, shone. Excuse me. They, they, they. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle, battle turmoil, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, <coughs> Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Mm-hmm. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and right- and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And again, um, just reiterating the fact that a lot of this isn't too far from the uh, message. Yeah. Um, that's actually pretty encouraging. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Because um, uh, with Psalm 22 that yeah. we did last episode, there was quite a bit lost yeah. in that prophecy, but oh, yeah. this one is pretty much tracking oh, yeah. a hand in hand yeah. for the most Very part. Well and, and, you know, and honestly, to some extent, and this is why it goes into, pro- I mean, this is one of the problems 
is I'm not saying that this gentleman holds this view, but let's say, for instance, you go out and you buy a paraphrase. I wish I could tell you <clears throat> that every Bible, you know, Bible producing curriculum, what have you, is actually biblically sound and has biblical doctrine, but not all of them do. So imagine if you got a paraphrase and the person who did the paraphrase didn't believe Psalm 22 was actually a prophecy about the crucifixion. You see? You see the problem there? Is if he doesn't believe that that actually portrays the uh, crucifixion, then he's not going to hit the parallels and he's going to put it in. Again, I'm not saying that's the reason why there was so much difference between the two. I'm not making that claim. I don't know why he made such a difference in those uh, psalms. But if someone was to do a uh, paraphrase and they were to not believe that a passage referred to a prophecy of some sort, then that would affect how they interpret and write down that passage. And so there there is a legitimate concern of why you want to go with the translation because you're at the you're not actually reading what the Bible teaches you're reading what this person thinks the Bible is saying or should say or should say or what they think the Bible should say you see you kind of have this this in between and that could very well be fine because you know the person's a believer or it could be very bad because the person isn't a believer you know I mean, or even if they're not even if they don't have bad intentions their their own <coughs> biases mm-hmm. you know can just subconsciously kind of come out in that yeah. and so they may not have any malice towards mm-hmm. you know they're intentionally misinterpreting but mm-hmm. it just kind of naturally comes out just right. based on their own perceptions right, right. and and, and, so and that's a that's a threat yeah and 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 that and so there's your clear example of you know why it's important to have a translation. Although this in instance it was actually a pretty good yeah, rendering. This one was spot on. Um, so that's encouraging. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of criticism <laughs> because of that. It's it's, it's good. Um, uh, anybody else have anything they'd like to say? Um. About the translation comparison, or just in general? In I'm general, probably about to cough my head off. It's like an invite. Take it from me. Take it from me. I'm about. To. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, just looking at the whole passage in general. Um, I mean, we've covered this idea that you know, lights come into the world. Hope is coming. And like you said, it kind of encompasses both advents. You know, the great hope at the end of time is evident because in the meantime, a child is going to be born. And so it kind of works backwards. But um, I just love that promise. Um, The government will be on his shoulders. Just the magnitude of that statement. And I think it's about the same in all three of our translations. We don't need to mix match this one too much tonight. But... Mm -hmm. Just that promise that, you know, the government will be on his shoulders. It's literally saying that everything that is broken about literally every human system on the planet, mm-hmm. no matter where you go, no matter um, what the economy is. Um, every, what political affiliation you have. What political affiliation you have, <laughs> whether you're here or abroad. 
you know, the perfect prince of peace. One of my favorite names for Jesus, the perfect prince of peace is coming to lay claim on every single one of those governments in tandem. He is going to sweep the earth and he will be more than sufficient mm-hmm. to govern everything perfectly. He will not only ensure that the government itself is fixed in all of its flaws, but he'll ensure that creation itself, you know, it mm-hmm. talks about elsewhere in Isaiah, the lion shall lie down with the lamb. It, mm. If taken literally, it just, it literally means that he will bring ultimate peace to nature. Mm-hmm. There won't, you know, nature is scary. We were yeah. joking about that earlier today. Yeah. That will be gone because yeah. it'll be nature that's been reclaimed by the king. You can go out to the African tundra in flip flops and be totally fine and come back. But you can't do that right now. Don't right, no, don't no, don't no, no, do right that. Now. Unless you're a native and you can you know, you know the the way of the land and what's around you and what's not. I mean Oh yeah. <laughs> there's like probably like thirty things that can kill you in two feet <laughs> of squ- square uh feet mm-hmm. here. Oh yeah. And you could just take a stroll through that with no protection someday. Yeah. When we have uh the millennium and the new earth. And so the government will be on his shoulders and then these phenomenal names that it's given him and he'll be called wonderful counselor mm-hmm. i mean we think of the holy spirit when we think of wonderful counselor but jesus himself will be the one who gives wisdom he will be the one who you know guides his people through the holy spirit mm-hmm. and he gives guidance to us right now in the church he gives guidance to us as you know we fulfill his will as we're eyewitnesses to the world of his coming and then someday, you know, keeping with that theme of uh, global redemption, when the new earth comes, he'll be the one who provides, you know, he will he will be a more wise ruler for the planet than King Solomon ever was for Israel. Mm-hmm. He will, he, his, his story will never end because it won't have that tragic ending that Solomon's yeah. had. And there will be no more death. No more death. Um, you know, no more sorrow at all that we know of. I mean, that I mean, it's just above and beyond our comprehension. Mm. So, wonderful counselor, and this is the one that should 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 really send the goosebumps. Last episode, we talked about the goosebump passage being uh, they pierced my hands and feet. I won't go down that rabbit hole and explain it again. But if you haven't watched uh, listened to that episode, do so. But this time, the goosebump one is mighty God. I mean, you are literally. This passage is saying that when this child comes, they are going to call him Yahweh. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, this is either absolute blasphemy or it is the most shocking truth that's ever been proclaimed. <laughs> and this is not a Christian add-on. It's right here in the original Hebrew Bible yeah, before you, you go, Christ comes. You go to uh, any bookstore, let's say you're just for the sake of it, there is a Bible translation of the Old Testament, Jewish, it's called the Tanakh. That is the modern-day Bible, Old Testament, that Jewish people have to this day. You will find all these passages in it. Like, this isn't Christians bringing these ideas to the text. These are already there. These, And this is why it's important to go with translations of the Scriptures, because... We're not making this stuff up when it says it's a prophecy or when it talks about, and you see like this uncanny uh, resemblance of Jesus, that's because that's what it's supposed, it's supposed to be doing that. It's supposed to be foreshadowing Christ because it's a prophecy. That's why we call them because it's literally foreshadowing the coming of Christ in some way, some detail, whether it be a future event or the the past events of his uh, advent, the first advent, you know, whatever. 
I mean, that's what this is, these do. These these hint towards towards that. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, prophecy pointing forwards to Christ, and uh, I'll chase this for two seconds. I thought you were gonna when you started the, that first sentence. You know, these are prophecies pointing to Christ. That's why we call them. And you pause for a second. I was prepared for this like flamboyant like prophecies pointing to Christ. That's why we call them prophecies. <laughs> I, like, I started to like do this big goofy amen and you didn't go there. You were ser- serious. I was like, mm. <laughs> pulled back. <laughs> well, amen. Uh, <laughs> excuse uh, me. But uh, these, these incredible names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and then everlasting father. We, I mean, obviously we think of God, the father, is a, he is a separate person in the Trinity. That is orthodox. That is truth. And yet this passage, interestingly, is kind of like John's, the word was with God and was God. And so everlasting father is one of the titles given directly to Jesus according to the context of this. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking that, you know, he will not only be your brother if we, uh, in the sense that we're adopted into the family of God. It says he'll be the firstborn. He'll be the one who, the, the heir to the throne. And yet he himself will also be your everlasting, eternal father, the one who guides you, feeds you, protects you. Mm-hmm. Because you know, his role will be so much higher than just a big brother because of his power. Right. And so everlasting father. And then finally, prince of peace. I've already said it's my favorite part. part uh, favorite, One of my favorite titles for Christ. And honestly, it really wraps up the whole passage in general. I mean, because he's the prince of peace... He is, he is able to promise all of these things. The, the warriors will put away their weapons. The, uh, the scary animals out there that can eat a human being at the drop of a hat will put away their fangs. And, amen. Uh, amen. Death will, will put away its sting because the Prince of Peace will come and he'll calm the storm of reality itself. Every way that it's raging is finally going to cease. And I just love the little, and I'm maybe I'm reading into it too much here, because in context, this is obviously talking about the Messiah as one figure. But I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting also how these names kind of, there are four of them, mm-hmm. and they wrap up the Trinity. I mean, mm-hmm. we think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, you've got <coughs> Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and Wonderful Counselor, mm-hmm. Mighty God. It kind of wraps them all up. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, I mean, you see these little jabs here and there and everywhere that kind of point to full-blown mm-hmm. evangelical orthodoxy before this stuff was even known among the human race. Right, right, right. I mean, these they're the, it's the little Lego foundation so you can keep building the house. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all this stuff just wrapped up in this prophecy of Christ. And so, uh, of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So, again, reemphasizing that this is eternal. Once we get there, we, because of him, will have arrived. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So, just this hope that you know, once he claims that throne, nothing will ever take that away from him. It is the end of the story in the best possible sense. Simply because, even though life itself goes on, the story as told can come to an end because you know everything that there is to know in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And so, until then, that promise that closes this passage that I'm focused on, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, 
we could kind of land the plane on that last passage. But before we go into that into that wood, does anybody have any other closing thoughts about the passage? Well, I, I think, I mean, I think this passage right here, the one you're talking about, with because uh, obviously time is one of the things that destroys all things. Like, if you think about whether it's a whether it's a government, whether it's a political movement, whether it's a company, what have you, it's kind of like kind of like Ecclesiastes. Like you know, you do all these things, and then someone comes up behind you next, and they destroy it all. Um, and so it's very reality is very bleak. There's a lot of things that you know, start out with good intentions and then get corrupted by man or what have you. But here, here is something to look forward to, to peace that never ends. Okay, I I don't know what the future holds, but I know there's a lot of reasons if you are not a Christian, there's a lot of reasons, or if you are a Christian, I mean, just to be honest, there's a lot of reasons to be scared. There's a lot of uncertainties out there. There's a lot of things going on. And there, that's just stuff that we know about. There's probably all kinds of stuff that's not getting out that's bad out there, you know, with our world. But God is going to come one day. And he's gonna wipe away all the corruption, all the all the nonsense, um, all the um, attempts to do good things, or and it's actually concealing evil, and because there's actually evil intentions or what have you, those things will be exposed and put down, and peace, and and the and the the uh the soldier out there who yearns for peace because he's so tired of having those difficult uh orders where there's someone coming walking towards them and he's got a gun and he has to shoot them but, but it's a kid you know i don't even want to even think about having to have that order to shoot that kid or whatever because they're armed or they may be armed you may not know but there might be a bomb attached to him or something and it's like to know that the soldier could put down his weapon permanently and never have to worry about taking it up again i mean the the world wants peace but they don't know how to achieve it because if they knew how to achieve it, they would have done it by now. But they don't. They can't. It's fragmented. Only God can bring peace. Only Jesus can bring peace. And he's going to bring it. And when he does, there's not going to be any ending to it. So, like, the happy ever after that you think of, whenever you think of, um, uh, like, some great story or whatever, this is it. This is what he's promised. And that's something that we can look forward to, um, whether that happens now or in our day or in the future generation, what have you. It is still it's something to look forward to. It's something to hold on. It's something to know that God cares about these things. 
And he's going to set these things right. And that's a promise that we can adhere to and we can hold on to. Even when things in our life don't make sense, we might question God or we might question his goodness or something like that. But whenever we read the scriptures and we look and we remember the fact that God has made this promise, it may not be in the timing that we want it, but it's coming. And when it comes, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Amen. Amen. And I don't want to, you know, have the plane, you know, do a touch and go and and rock it back (laughs) up uh, um, and do another fly around. But like, I guess anybody who is out there listening who is either atheist or agnostic and just happen to be tuning in, like, if you're looking at what's going on in the world and right now it's, um, you know, March of 2023, I don't know when this episode's going to release, but as we're recording it, it's March of 2023, and so... If this podcast survives years from now or someone finds it years from now um, and they look back at the events that were going on, like there's a lot of uncertainty Mm -hmm. and people are struggling. Um, I mean, all across the world, like, and it's a time of great unrest. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's more of like, you know, God's, explicitly promising that it's not always going to be like this like mm-hmm. it's going to get better there's going to be perfection all of this uncertainty all of this chaos all of this pain is going to end and i guess i i don't know why it's so hard for people to accept that like i don't know if it's a place of just like you've been beaten down so much you can't imagine it ever being better but i mean it's it's offering you a glimpse of hey it's not going to be like this so and all it's all he's asking for is just that faith Mm -hmm. that's literally all it is and yeah you have to get to that point like you still have to survive the whatever your remainder years are here on this earth but it's it's you have a choice to you have a choice to accept that peace mm-hmm. you know he jesus is the prince of peace but you have to you have to take it he's offering it to you all you have to do is have that faith to take it and it will one day get better mm-hmm. and so just have that little bit of faith to just you know say yes i believe that things will get better and it's through him Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard for me to not to understand how someone can't just make that leap and i'm not criticizing or or condemning or bashing anybody out there but i just can't wrap my hand head around why someone would be so cynical to think that this is all there is and this is as good as it gets so Mm -hmm. might as well try to make the best of it Mm -hmm. and that there's nothing there's nothing waiting or there's nothing better right right you know Mm -hmm. and so that's just you know out there you know if you're out there listening and you're kind of on the fence just kind of think about that like do you really want to accept that this is all there is that Mm -hmm. this pain, this suffering, this chaos, this is literally it. 
not going to get any better. There's nothing different. There's nothing waiting for you on the other side. This is as good as it is. Mm -hmm. Like that is a very, that's a very sad world view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a very, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and I mean, and just kind of piggybacking off what you said, I mean, it's like, yeah, where we, we thrive, you, you know, like if you give hope, a lot of people can do a lot of things if they have hope and, and hope is not not something that's fake. It's something that's real. It's something that's there that you can put your hat on. Um, that's what biblical hope is. Mm-hmm. It's been promised, and although we may not see it at the moment, it is coming. Um, and that's one thing that we want all uh, everybody who's out there who doesn't believe. We who want we want to believe. Uh, we want them to believe um, because I mean. There is hope. There is a better way. I mean, if somebody has wronged you in the church and you need someone to say it, hey, look, I am sorry that that happened to you. You know, there there are good people. Well, let, me, no, let me take that back. We're all jacked up. Every single one of us. There's not one person in this world that's not messed up. We're all just messed up differently. Even so, the best church is just even, congregation of sinners. Even yeah. the yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And yes. so there are going to be people out there who disappoint you. There's going to be people out, out there who will hurt you. I'm sure that I have hurt people unintentionally. I'm sure I've disappointed people unintentionally throughout my life. It's not been my intention, but those things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um and when those things do happen, that is not a reflection of Christianity. That is a reflection of either myself or whoever. Um, so I encourage you, if if you maybe looked into Christianity at one point and then were hurt, and because you're hurt, that is the real reason why you don't believe is because you were actually hurt because somebody and your intellectual uh thing that you say is why you actually don't believe but it's not really why you don't believe it's because people hurt your feelings or something just just remember that we're we're all we're all messed up Mm -hmm. you're messed up too (laughs) um and and no none none of us are are beyond uh screwing things up even whenever you don't intend to um and that's one thing that the gospel says is like hey guess what you screw up a lot all the time, every day. It's what you do. But it's not just what you do. It's what's inside of you. That's what happens. And whenever you have God-fearing people who love Jesus, but they're going to make mistakes, get together, there's going to be mistakes made, and there's going to be lines drawn on traditions and things like that that cause division. Mm-hmm. And and that could you could see that. You could see that conflict, and that could put a bad taste in your mouth. I get it. But at the end of the day, God holds you accountable, and God will hold them accountable. And I'm not held accountable for how they behave. I'm held accountable for how I behave. And before you start looking at how other people don't match up, how about we look at ourselves and myself and go, hey, I don't meet this standard. I need Jesus. Because the reality of it is 
There's no one here that doesn't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. I need Jesus every day. I will jack things up faster than, you know, microwaving butter in a microwave. I mean, I will jack <laughs> things up easily and very swiftly. My wife can attest to it. <laughs> well, if you have been hurt by the church or you've been burned by Christianity or, or you know, um, I, I would say if, if you're looking to try to find a way back in or maybe you're wanting to revisit it again and you have that those bad experiences, don't even look at the church. Look at what the gospel says. Like start if you're looking for an, an on ramp to get back on, just start with the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Just start at the New Testament, read it through. You, I mean, it clearly documents. Look at all the letters Paul sent to the churches at the time where he was having to correct them. Mm-hmm. Of these churches started off with the best intention, and these churches started going off the rails, and mm-hmm. Paul was having to be like, look, guys, you need to get back on track. Mm-hmm. You're going down some not good roads. You're starting to really you know, you know, go off, go off the rails and mm-hmm. you need to course correct. So the church has been doing this kind of since the inception right. of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection on Christ. It's a reflection on you have a group of flawed people mm-hmm. who are trying to make the best, but because of those flaws, you know, we're not going to hit that target. Right. And so, yeah, like, like you said, um, you know, we're sorry if the church has hurt you or whether you've had bad experiences, but part of what being a Christian is, is you have to learn to show a little bit of grace Mm -hmm. to your fellow believers and to others. Because like we've said numerous times, becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're no longer a sinner. You're Mm -hmm. just as broken. You're just as vile. You're just as messed up as everybody else. You just now have that that hope. You have that target on the other side of, of it's no long it's it's not going to be like that forever. Right. There is a fix. Right. Um, and so I just encourage, you know, find a find a pastor, find a Christian counselor, find you know, pick up the old, the New Testament and just start reading through there and mm-hmm. just Take take the gospel for what it is. Don't take a flawed group of, of people for, for what that is. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Well, thank you again for listening. Again, we love you all. We really appreciate you listening. Um, leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here. And uh, do you all have any ideas of where you want to go for the next episode? Do you want to keep diving into some more prophecy? It's going to be a surprise. I like that. (laughs) All right. Well, um, thank you all again. And, uh, yeah, we hope you join us on the next episode. Goodbye. See you.